0: episode because it is my life advice column where you guys submit your life advice questions that can be literally about anything it can be about career stuff relationships you name it and I'm going to give my best advice I actually haven't read any of these yet sometimes I will go through and kind of read them beforehand to see the gist of the episode but this time they're totally going to be a surprise so it's going to be my very just candid honest advice from first reading your guys' submissions like always I just want you to know that I am not a licensed professional I'm simply a 22 year old gal who does this podcast and sometimes people like to ask me questions so I answer them but of course I always think you should get advice from people that you just know in your personal life people you feel close to but it means a lot that people feel close enough to me to submit stuff so I'm really excited to answer you guys's advice questions for today's episode You also may have noticed that there is indeed a different intro song. I feel like my intro song just doesn't really fit this podcast anymore. I'm a pretty calm, subdued person. I'm not incredibly energetic. And I just felt like that intro was a little too energetic for me, especially for this phase of life I am. I am just chilling it out and so I wanted to replace it with a new song. So I hope you guys like it. I hope you guys will adjust to it. I hope it'll make you think of this podcast now. I also am really excited on kind of like the theme of logistics. Sorry if I sound congested. I just got a really bad nosebleed before this which is something that I really struggle with during allergy season. I get awful nosebleeds and it made me incredibly congested. So right now I'm just feeling a little bit stuffy. But I'm really excited because actually the company that reached out to me that I use this microphone, that totally did not make any sense. I use a microphone. It's from Blue Yeti. It's very simple. It's not anything special. I know a lot of people have complained about the quality of this podcast and it's just because I use a pretty simple mic. I sit in my closet, which I think has pretty good soundproofing, but I'm not the best at like editing audio by any means. But a company reached out to me, a PR company that works with them, and they're sending me the upgrade from this mic. So hopefully the audio is going to upgrade. It's like not a USB mic like this one. It's one where I actually have to get a I think it's a condenser where you plug it in and then it goes into your laptop. So I'm going to try to use that and hopefully you guys will notice a difference. I don't know when that's coming. They actually just emailed me today, but it was so cool because I don't get a lot of PR packages anymore just because I took myself off a lot of lists. I don't like having a lot of stuff now, but when companies like that reach out to me, I'm like, this is so useful. They're also sending me a webcam, which will be really nice for when I do more interview episodes and so then I can use the footage for whatever if I ever decide to post them, whatever it may be. That'll be also really nice to have. So I'm excited to get that. I also am really excited. My life update this week, I don't have that much to share, but I do want to say I started using the five-minute journal. It's essentially this journal. You guys have probably seen it. It has a few prompts. They're super quick. It's like three things you're grateful for, what would make today a really great day, and then you fill it out at night too. And I started doing this because I read my Bible and I pray every day, but I have such trouble with writing down my thoughts i always want to be someone who keeps a journal so i could look back and remember like the phase of life i'm in but a lot of times i only journal on the days where i feel sad and have sad things to talk about so then when i look back on my journal it's like wow i was really sad a lot of my life but it's just because i only really wrote down a lot of the sad parts and the things that I was going through just because journaling oftentimes does help me process, which I think is great. But I like the five minute journal because it really focuses on gratitude and even on the sad days, the things that you're thankful for. And so I started it and I love it. It's simple enough where it only literally takes five minutes. So it doesn't take that much time. It's not a huge time commitment. And it's something now that I do remember to do. I'm going to set an alarm on my phone too just to do. And I like it. I think it'll be a nice thing to look back on too. It's really simple just to stick in my nightstand and do it in the morning and then also do it in the evening. And it's just a great way to start and end your day. So I'll have this in the show notes if you're interested. I'm not trying to like push products all the time on here. I feel like I have been sharing quite a bit of stuff lately. I just genuinely really do like it and I think it's a really good resource if you guys are looking to start getting into journaling more often. If that's something that you're interested in, definitely check it out. Like always, I just asked for submissions from you guys for this podcast. I have an email, it's just but what's next pod at gmail.com, just but u t what's w h a t s next n e x t pod pod at gmail.com and that is where i get my life advice for these episodes the submissions you guys submit i always remind you guys on instagram my instagram is just at michelle reed But, of course, you can always submit life advice questions. I just file them into a folder and I'll go through. I don't usually get to every single one that I get, but I try to pick ones that I feel like will be relatable, that aren't too niche or niche to the point where you guys can't relate to them. I try to pick things that I feel like you guys are also struggling with, so it helps multiple people who might be going through the same thing. So, if you want to be my next one, that is how I always kind of do these episodes. i'm struggling with lying and not being able to speak truth i'm hurting myself and the people i care about i'm a christian and i do pray the lord is able to make me slow to speak and tame my tongue but i'm still struggling with it i recently lied to my roommates about something big and now my living situation is awkward and i feel so much shame guilt and awkwardness i look forward to hearing from you This one is a good one. I don't know how much I've talked about lying here on the podcast, but this is definitely tough. Again, it's like a roommate situation, which I think can make things even harder, especially because it does make things really awkward when someone lies. I'm trying to think if I had a situation where I lied to one of my roommates. I don't know if I had one directly, but I definitely had roommates who lied to me before, And it definitely just makes things really awkward. I think just admitting your mistake is first the most important thing. And it's oftentimes the hardest. I think a lot of times we let like pride and our ego stand in the way. But I think of it as asking for forgiveness and admitting that I'm wrong. It may seem like you are going to get even more in trouble. But a lot of times people are just waiting for you to come and apologize And it'll make things immediately less awkward, especially if you have roommates who are able to give grace. I have a whole podcast on grace. And I think for the most part, people are really eager to give people grace when they know them and they trust them. And especially when it's your roommates, anything to make the situation just less awkward is so important. It always makes me think of the verse in Luke. I don't exactly remember the chapter, but it's for nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. I always think about that, that things are going to come to light. Obviously, you've already talked about they know that you lied. One single lie can just dig you deeper and deeper until you're literally in like a web of lies. So that's why I think it's just so much more important to admit that you made a mistake and know that it happens like it's not the end of the world. And oftentimes it seems like such a bigger deal in your head than it actually is so yeah, I would just admit it and I would just be super candid and honest and just ask for forgiveness and always think about that situation. I'm someone who, this is actually kind of like one of my faults, I think, I really fear getting in trouble And anytime I am thinking of making a mistake or something that I know is going to be a mistake, I think about the feeling when I got in trouble. It really does prevent you from doing it again when you remember how you hurt someone else or whatever. And so I think you just have to have grace with yourself. You ask for forgiveness from God. You ask for forgiveness from your roommates. And you just try to be different in the future. And that's kind of as simple as it is. I know it sounds simple when I'm just saying it right now. And I know it's a lot harder in the moment but I think that's the best way to go about it. This one says, my husband and I have moved state slash cities multiple times in the past couple of years and we just moved to the Dallas Fort Worth area a few months ago. That's so cool. We're finally in a city where we plan on staying for a while and I'm having a hard time finding my place here. I have a three-month-old baby so I'm a stay-at-home mom which can feel lonely. My husband is also self-employed and works by himself for himself so he isn't able to make friends through work either our closest family members are four hours away and 12 hours away. I haven't been able to make friends. I'm not sure how exactly. How can I get out of my comfort zone and meet people? I'm pretty introverted. Ooh, this is a good one. And I imagine is definitely really hard, especially when your husband also works from home and works for himself or he's self-employed. I don't know if he works from home. Having a three-month-old baby, I imagine, is a task in itself and literally is a job. So I just want to say that you're doing a great job. I feel like a lot of times when you're in these situations you can feel so stuck and feel kind of guilty for the way that you're living but I think that you're doing a great job so I just want to say that first and foremost. I think the easiest way to make friends and this is hard because I know the situation right now things are opening up more. I think that life is getting back to normal especially here in Texas but the best way I have found to meet friends is just through church one. I think it's really easy. I think a lot of people Are trying to make friends through church and trying to be in community. I don't know if you are like a person of faith, but if you are, that's a really good way. Another way, and I'm saying this because I just got back from the dog park, (laughs) I have met so many just really nice people at the dog park because when your dog's playing with other dogs and all like the other owners are standing around, it's kind of awkward when no one talks. And so I've just met some really nice people in the dog park. I wouldn't say we're friends, but. I do feel like we have a good conversation, and if I wanted to hang out with one of them, I definitely could ask and just put myself out there. I am also more introverted, so I'm not saying it's easy, but I think the more you put yourself in situations where you do have to talk to people, it does make it a lot easier. I think another way is just meeting friends of friends if any of your friends know of any people in Dallas just asking if you can kind of connect you guys to hang out and it can be really awkward the first time when it's just random people but it really does take just kind of putting yourself out there and trying to see if anyone vibes with you I'm not the best example because I'm not swimming in friendships here in Dallas but I do have a few friends that I've even met recently, like my neighbor, we're really good friends now, we go and work out together every now and then, it's really fun, and it's just nice, even if you don't have friends who you are necessarily as close with, versus like the past, I feel like I had a lot more closer friendships back in the day, it's still just nice to have acquaintances and people to talk to who aren't your husband, because... You know, you spend a lot of time with him and it's nice to have friendships outside of them. So I definitely think it can be hard, but just give yourself grace too in time. You sound like you just moved here. It's only been a few months. So you got time and it'll definitely happen. Just try to put yourself out there when you can. Okay, so this one is one that I read and I totally related to. And it says... I'm looking for advice about how you find contentment. I've always been the kind of person that is looking for the next big thing in life. I graduated college early. I got married at 21 and now I'm working at a job that I love. I'm kind of thinking though, what the heck do I do now? I want to enjoy the season I'm currently in, but that is something that I'm not great at doing. This seems to be a strength of yours. so I'd love to hear your thoughts. I've gotten better at this, but it is still something that, oh my gosh, I just almost feel guilty for. Like I think about me in college, how much I look forward to being in the place that I'm at right now. I'm married. I'm in my first like real apartment on my own. I'm back home, which I really like working, doing social media as a full-time job, which is a dream. But there are a lot of times when I think I take this for granted because it does seem more mundane. And I felt like in college, there was just more uncertainty to my life, which made me feel... A little bit stressed but I almost kind of liked it like I liked feeling like things are up in the air and I have just been trying to pull back and be more grateful for the place that I'm at right now I think it's a really good thing just to appreciate where you're at and to constantly be grateful for that this was honestly a big reason why I got that five minute journal was because I did just want to write down what I was grateful for more often And honestly, there's no rule that says once you're in this phase of life, you can't still have fun and try new things and find new hobbies. I think just trying, again, for me, like, trying new recipes at night is something that I look forward to. And yeah, it might not be a thrill like I once was seeking in college, but it's still like trying something new, doing something fun. I will go out with Aiden and we'll go do something new and fun. And it's just good to switch things up, like, The other week we just went and saw in Ennis, Texas, they have these blue bonnets, which are supposed to be like the prettiest blue bonnets. And we just went randomly in the week decided we were going to drive there and it was spontaneous and fun. And honestly, you need things like that just to switch things up. And I think that helps a lot. But don't feel guilty for kind of being more like slow and still in life. I think that that's totally fine. And I think it's a very American thing where we just always feel like, We have to be seeking the next new thing. And I have been trying to really train myself to just get out of that mentality. I think a lot of that has to do with doing YouTube. I find that my channel like grows and I get more views when things are really exciting. When there's something new in my life, there's a change happening. Just because we get excited about change and we get excited about new things. But it's okay just to enjoy when things are mundane and normal because that is mostly what life consists of. Okay, this one's interesting, but it says So I've been dating my current boyfriend for over a year and a half now. We're both about to be seniors in college, and we will probably get engaged in the next year or so. I love him, but he's not the best at giving gifts. My birthday was a few weeks ago, and he gave me this ring that he picked out by himself. It's really pretty, but I'm a very simple and minimalist jewelry person like you, and I don't like big and flashy jewelry. The ring he gave me is pretty, but it's big and kind of looks like a cheaper engagement ring with a big opal in the middle and crystals around it. I feel like I can't wear it out in public because people will mistake it for an engagement brand and it really doesn't fit with my style. It was so sweet of my boyfriend to give it to me, but I don't know whether or not I should tell him that I don't like it and hurt his feelings. Any advice for what to do? Do I just wear it and say anything? Do I just wear it and not say anything or find some way to tell him that I like what I like better so he doesn't give me jewelry I won't wear forever? This one is so hard because I think there are two different ways you can approach this one is just being blunt and being honest about it and two is pretending like you said i remember a guy gave me since my birthstone is a ruby i'm not like a huge fan of rubies though i just don't wear a lot of red I remember he gave me like these bigger ruby earrings and I definitely didn't like them. Like they were not my favorite thing and I just never really wore them and he never asked about it but I always felt like I should have been honest with him and just told him And that was something when I started dating Aiden, I was so amazed because he got me like really pretty jewelry that was my style. And kind of going off this, I remember he bought me a Tiffany necklace, like a tiny little Tiffany necklace. And I actually lost the necklace. I wore it for a year and then I lost it. And going back to the lying thing to say, I have experience with lying. I kept telling him that I had just misplaced it. I left it home in Texas when I was in New York when I really had lost it. And it was literally when we were engaged when I finally told him that I actually lost the necklace when I should have just been honest and told him. And so I think honesty is the best policy even in this situation, especially if you are going to get engaged. I do think you want to wear a ring that... Is your style, and it's not even like you're saying, Oh my gosh, this jewelry isn't like big enough or something. It's literally like you're saying, I'm very minimal, I'm not very showy. Like, I'm looking at my wedding band right now, it's super thin, it's very small, it has diamonds around it, but it's like a tiny band, and I love it. And you want to get something that you're going to be wearing for the rest of your life that you actually like, so I think you should tell him, or maybe just kind of like share photos of jewelry that you like. And just tell him that you're really appreciative that he got it for you if he ever asks why you don't wear it just because you do want (laughs) if he's going to give gifts if he's going to spend his money on you you want it to be something that you're actually going to wear and that you actually like. And so that is my advice on this just based off of what I've learned myself from lying about this kind of stuff. I definitely think you should be honest with him. So this girl says that she's actually a new follower, which is really sweet. I love hearing that I have new followers because I feel like a lot of my followers have been with me forever, which I also think is equally as sweet, but it's just nice to see new faces. So hi. She says, I'm currently in a period of waiting for something that I think I'm ready for, but it feels like it's out of my control. I feel that my boyfriend and I are ready for a dog, but he doesn't think he is, and so we're holding off on it for now. I'm not a very patient person and I'm having a hard time staying positive lately. Do you have any advice for how to find happiness in this in-between? I'm struggling with not wishing the time away and staying present, enjoying my time together instead of being frustrated with him for being the reason we aren't getting a dog right now. Hope you're doing well. I will say first and foremost, I think that's so exciting that you think you're ready for a dog. I can say from the past few months, it has been the biggest blessing in my life having a dog. I... Can say that it has only added to my life. I do want to say that it is like a huge responsibility. It is, for one, a financial responsibility. So maybe try to see from his perspective what part of having a dog it makes him most worried where he feels like he isn't ready. Is it because you guys want to travel a lot? Is it because of the finances? Is it because you do have to train a dog? He's not ready for that. Try to see what exactly is making him kind of weary to get a dog and just talk that through with him I know it can be hard when you look at him and think him and think of him as the reason why you're not getting a dog and it can just make you feel resentful toward him and I don't think that's fair to him if it's like he's just not ready and there's a specific reason maybe just kind of talk to him and see I think that you'd be surprised if there's like a specific reason why he's feeling this way but I do No, when you get the craving for a dog that you just want it really fast and you want a puppy we honestly wanted a dog from the minute that we got married in august i was like okay i'm ready for a dog i really want one but then we didn't get cash until i guess february is when we got him so it took a while to like find where we wanted to get him and whatever but yeah i think there's a balance between being patient and trying to figure out the reason why but then also trying to kind of see what will push him to be more likely to feel like he is able to commit to a dog. Okay, this one says, long story short, I struggle with a lot of confidence and self-esteem issues and this also ties in with my money spending issues. I see something that someone I envy has and instead of saving money, I buy said thing and then I realize I didn't need it after a month. Yep, that's usually how it goes. This is at me with my Am- my Amazon addiction lately I have these things and it's so wasteful because then you realize you don't even need them. But she says, I'll be moving within the next year. And that means I need to really be serious about saving money. So how can I get rid of the need to buy this to look cool Is her mindset? And what's the best way to really save money when you're starting at almost the bottom? So I will say this is something I just did recently. So we really want to buy a house. And with buying a house, you have to have so much money saved And sometimes it just kind of like makes me feel absolutely crazy to think about how much money you have to spend when you buy a house. It's like one of the biggest purchases you ever make. But with that, I have always been someone who when I got my paycheck, I knew how much I needed for our expenses, our budget. But instead of actually moving the money into an, like a savings account, or I would move it into our savings, but sometimes I would move money back into our checkings from our savings. I just wasn't very diligent about keeping the money in the savings when it was in the savings. And so something that I started doing that I had always heard was really helpful for saving money was paying yourself first. So when I get a paycheck, there is money that I move aside for taxes and that goes into a separate account. I bank with Wells Fargo, which I think is like not the best bank to have. I'm actually looking to switch our bank because I've heard some sketchy things about Wells Fargo. But I get my paycheck. I move the money to taxes because my taxes don't get taken out. And then I move X percentage of money into the savings and it stays there. And I think to be able to do this, you have to have a budget You have to know how much money you actually need for your food, your rent, whatever you're paying for, your like monthly expenses. And then you'll know how much to save, whether that's 2%, 5%, 10%, like whatever works for you, you have to pay yourself first. And when that money's out of sight, it's kind of out of mind and you're not as likely to spend it we even have like a fidelity account where we invest money and sometimes that money will go into there into investments and then it's really out of sight out of mind because I only look at that account every now and then to see how the investments are performing but that's not money that I move out to be able to order something off Amazon when I want it if that makes sense I know Dave Ramsey has an every dollar app that a lot of people use that's supposed to be helpful for budgeting so you just have to figure out what works for you but I definitely think that having that set percentage that you move and paying yourself first really does help especially when you're trying to be more aggressive with saving when you have a goal like moving out you know how expensive it's going to be like for us in a year I want to have a house and so this money has got to be saved better and when I was saying about the bank accounts I realized I just said the thing about Wells Fargo didn't even explain it with Wells Fargo or whatever bank you have, it's so easy to open up a new account. I used to think it took a lot more than it takes, but you can literally just open up a new account and like label them as different things. We have a tax one, we have a savings one, we have a checking one, and then our fidelity. So I hope that helps. I definitely think it takes a little bit more work, but you're actually more likely to Save more money. I just finished my last class of undergrad and I'm having a hard time coming to terms with college being over. I've been doing school for 17 years of my life. It's always been a big part of my identity as I strive to get good grades and was recognized as the smart student for most of my life. I am excited to start my new job, but I find myself sad about leaving college. I think this is amplified by the fact that the last two years of college were greatly disrupted by the pandemic and there are memories like going to football games, etc. that I get didn't get to have and probably won't be able to make in the future. I was wondering how you felt after graduating college. Did you feel sad and any advice would be much appreciated? So I think this is such a relatable thing that not a lot of people talk about, especially leaving college. Like you want to look like post-grad you're having the time of your life. You want to look like all the things that you worked for in college were worth it and that you're thriving but it is such a shock to you when you like you said spend so much time in school and so much of our identity is ingrained in our grades and how popular we are in school our friends in school and I don't think we're really encouraged to find like a life outside of school all these years that we're growing up and then you just graduate and you're done and I honestly believe from like my friends I've talked to, this is a big reason why a lot of people go back to school and get another degree or their master's, which I think is a great idea if you're wanting to pursue like higher education. I think that's a great thing. But a lot of people are just so used to school that they don't know how to live outside of school. And it's really hard. I definitely felt a little bit sad because I was definitely, like you said, when you said recognized as a smart student, I found a lot of my identity in my grades and studying. And I think I had this idea when I graduated college that I just had to stop learning. And I think the key with post-grad is just to throw yourself into things where you can keep learning and keep growing and not Grow stagnant, if that makes sense. And like I said, I always talk about cooking, but it's so simple. But having something to work at, I want to be better at cooking. I want to cook better meals. I want to be able to like put together stuff without having to read recipes. This is a new thing that I work on. You have to find new things outside of school to spend your time on. And I also think your job is probably going to consume you a lot too. And you're going to be learning so many things that you did not learn in school because I don't think school accurately kind of prepares us for our careers. I mean, some do, but in my experience, there were a lot of things I had to learn on the job that were so different than college, but you're going to be so preoccupied with that that I think right now, especially in the summer when you're kind of in this weird in between, it's easy to feel sad and it's okay to feel sad. And I think instead of just trying to push past those feelings, you have to let yourself feel what you're feeling and feel sad, feel a little bit upset, feel nostalgic, especially since the pandemic did kind of alter your college experience. But then after you process everything, you move on and throw yourself into new things. And from my experience, I didn't have like a traditional college experience, so I really do enjoy my life right now. I think especially my first year after college when I was working full-time in New York City, it was like the time of my life and I was so busy and I was stressed and honestly really working myself a little bit too much, but I was having a lot of fun and it really put things into perspective and I felt just really... Fun and it felt a lot more fun than college. And so, I do think you can make your life the life that you want it to be, but it's okay to be sad in this period. You can still meet friends, it's not like the end of everything. But okay, this is what I haven't talked about in a while. So, it says, I was hired at my job at 19 years old and was honestly so stoked to have a big girl job at such a young age that the lowball salary did not bother me. I felt and still feel so fortunate to be trusted with my position at such a young age. That being said, I graduate in a week and I have been with my organization for almost two years and interned a year before that. Wow. My workload has consistently increased, but I have yet to receive any sort of review and therefore I don't have any way to bring up the topic of a raise. I lose FAFSA this semester and my rent is going up as well as I feel as though I have earned a raise as the quality of my work has gone up just as the workload has. What are your tips for asking for a raise? I definitely, definitely think that you do deserve a raise just by reading this, not even because your rent's going up, you're losing your FAFSA, like that stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your expenses are increasing. It's just the fact you've been there for two years. You said you interned there for a year and your workload has increased. So I would look at the work that you're doing and see the differences in the work that you're doing is it different than when you started are you doing more work is the work more time consuming is it more analytical and I definitely would try to schedule a meeting with your supervisor and ask for a review ask because you're graduating even maybe say you are looking at other job offers and you just want to make sure that you're in a place that values your work and you appreciate working there always approach it with gratitude And just set that meeting to talk about it. I think it could be really nerve wracking to make a meeting about money, but don't even think of it as like, I'm going into this and I'm asking for a raise, even though you need to think of it as just sitting down and having a review. Setting up that meeting is really important. I did a podcast. It's one of my earliest podcast episodes. I'm not sure if you've listened to it, but it was with a professor that I had in college and her name was Dr. Reeve. She was so incredible. She was such a just personal influence on me because at the time, I was really not charging enough for my YouTube channel. My views were really going up. I was working with brands. I didn't have a manager at this time, and I was just accepting a lot of lowball offers because I was like, I'm in college. I don't necessarily need to have X amount of money right now, but I took her class, and she was so just influential on talking about how to go into a meeting and should you anchor and put a price tag down, should you not, how to approach it with going in with notes, and especially from a female perspective, I think there's kind of, like, I don't think this is as much of a thing as it used to be, but there's a stigma that women aren't going to negotiate their salaries, and she really kind of encouraged our class not to do that. I took a negotiations class with her, and we would do, like, mock negotiations, She was great. If any of you guys are in this position, please listen to it. She's also just a very calming presence. She is like a, I don't know how to explain it. She's super subdued, but she's also kind of like scary good and really gets your attention. (laughs) She just means business. She's a serious lady and she's also really sweet, which is a nice combo to have but I would definitely do that. I think you should up your pay. I think that they should up your pay, especially because if they were to hire someone new to do the job that you're doing with the increased workload, it would cost a lot more money for them to train someone new, pay them the same amount than it would to increase your salary. So that's something to keep in mind too. But yeah, I think if anyone's listening to this and you're feeling like you're underpaid, the worst thing that you can do is ask. I think there's a, kind of a fear that they're going to look down on you you're going to get rejected but in my first job when I was doing like a salary job I was working in marketing and like early on in marketing you don't really make that much money but I had asked to have a higher salary I had put a number down and they ended up just increasing my salary I think by like three thousand annually which isn't a ton and it wasn't even about the money it was just the fact that I felt like I had prior experience that maybe other people didn't have and so I wanted to make sure I was compensated for it. This says, I want to start off by saying how much I love your channel. I'm also newly married, hashtag COVID pride, which I think is funny. She says, not planning or having children right away we just bought our first home. I am currently the bookkeeper for a small construction company and I'm not very happy. While the job is relatively easy, the environment is toxic and the company is slowly falling apart. I was promised a much higher pay raise pre-COVID as I took another person's responsibilities, but I haven't seen it and I probably will not. I was recently asked about becoming a full-time nanny for a lady I know well, and while I'm excited about the possibility, I am scared about leaving my steady office job. The nanny job is full-time, long-term, and I know they would pay me well. I've been looking for a new job for a few weeks now, and I haven't found anything that sparked my interest like this does. My dream job is to work for myself, and this would be perfect. I'm just so nervous. Any advice on this situation?" Well, it sounds like you said the company is slowly falling apart. I wish you kind of shared more about how it's slowly falling apart, but it might be wiser to jump ship before you're forced to jump ship, in my experience. But yeah, I think you should do what will be better for you, especially if being a nanny's going to pay more. Honestly, when I was in New York City, I was amazed by how much nannies made. It was like a full-time, really well-paying career for a lot of people, And I think that's awesome. If you know someone who's looking for that, it can be really great for you pay wise. But I do know that feeling when you are nervous about ending a job. I remember when I ended my last job, I was so fearful that I don't know if I've said this in a podcast, but I gave six weeks. I remember I like tried to put in my two weeks and they asked if I could do six weeks. And I like looking back, I probably should have not done that but I just felt almost guilty for leaving and you shouldn't feel guilty if you have found something that's better suited for your talents that's going to be using your abilities well and I just felt like guilty for leaving them and especially because i think they knew i was going to work for myself i wasn't going to a new job that i would probably be able to do that and it was also like those six weeks i was so checked out because i knew i was leaving that it probably wasn't the most efficient work actually that's a lie i still worked like i was going to be there for the rest of the time and so i think that you just have to know what works for you and don't feel guilty Obviously, properly tell them if you are thinking of leaving, and they might try to compensate you more. I think if that's a route you want to go, but if it is something where you feel like they are actually going to be falling apart, I don't think you should feel guilty about it. I just bought my first car on my own. Yay! It's nicer than anything I've ever driven, and definitely a bigger financial deal than anything I've had. But I did my research and would not have gotten something I couldn't afford slash would hurt me in the long run, you know? There are lots of people, there are lots of supportive people in my life, but some of my closest people met my decision with question and judgment rather than excitement slash pride for me. I guess I'm just asking for ways advice how to remain confident in my adult choices without allowing others' opinions to make me hesitant question myself. I think that this is a great question and honestly is so exciting for you that you bought your first car on your own. I felt a similar way when we got our jeep it was like such a good feeling when you're able to buy something that you've worked really hard to have and a car I used to be someone who was kind of like anti-driving nice cars I thought it was kind of like I don't know lavish to live that way but After driving in Texas and spending so much time in a car, I think it's really great if you can buy yourself a nice car. I think people are so judgmental with money because, you know, someone might be judging you for buying a nice car, but they also spend all their money on eating out or all their money on clothes. And that's fine if that's how they choose to spend your money. I just wish we could like spend our money the way that we want to spend our money and people would just kind of leave it like that. But you should definitely be confident in your decisions. If you did the research, it's a reasonable thing. I do not think that having nice things is something that you should feel guilty for. I've never felt this way. I think if you are grateful for the things you have, you understand that life isn't only about nice things, but you appreciate them. Like, that's a great thing. It makes me think of my dad. My dad is someone who is so humble, so hardworking, doesn't really spend a lot of money on himself. He's a very, like... I don't know simple lifestyle kind of guy and we always would drive hammy down cards growing up but I remember my dad he got promoted in his work and he bought a Lexus car I don't even remember what year it was still a used car but it was a Lexus and I was just so happy for him that he had just like a nice car this car is so nice to drive in it's very comfortable and it's like okay he worked really hard and he's driving a nice car he's still the same guy. He's still grateful for the things that he has in life. He lives his life the same way and I think that that's fine. So, I always look at that and I'm like, okay, that's how I want to be when I am able to afford really nice things. So, I don't think you should feel bad about it and you should feel happy for yourself. And honestly, people who are judging you are likely just jealous and it sounds kind of like, rude to admit that, but that's probably the reason why they're making comments cuz they see someone who's maybe the same age as them, driving a nicer car than them, they immediately feel jealous instead of being like happy for someone else. And honestly, those are not the kind of people that you want to spend time with. So maybe let it show you that I'm not saying drop your friends or anything, but try to surround yourself with people who are supportive people. And I'm not someone who thinks you shouldn't be around people who you know, kind of keep you in check. If it was a really bad decision, I'm not saying it is. You said that it is, but say it was something you couldn't afford. Maybe it would be good to have friends that could kind of question that, but at the same time, it's really good to have supportive friends, and I think that is just what it shows you. Um, This one says, fellow type one here, I was listening to your podcast episode on the topic of grace recently, and I remember you talking about your Enneagram type. I share your similar personality trait of prioritizing order, organization, cleanliness, and routine. However, I was wondering how you manage it without getting exhausted. I am usually an extremely organized person and very tidy. I love having all my ducks in a row and keeping my home clean and keeping all my to-dos in my planner. Big list gal here. But lately, I feel almost obsessive about it and like I am constantly exhausted and I can't keep up. It seems like no matter how many times I vacuum, there's always more dirt. This is like, the, I feel like people are probably listening to this who can't relate, but it's so relatable for me. Always more dishes, always more things to check off, and honestly, I'm getting so drained. It stresses me out when things aren't in order, but I just feel like I can't keep up. What do you do to manage your stress, prioritize rest, while also maintaining order in a clean home? I used to be even more, like, obsessive about this stuff before I had my own apartment. It was more so in college, and I would get so just like unnecessarily bothered it was my problem because I lived with roommates who just didn't have the same habits as me and were not as obsessive which was very healthy and a good thing but if stuff was left out it would just bother me more than it should And I finally just accepted that it's okay if your house is not perfectly in order. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy your house the same. Like I always had this idea that I can only really enjoy my home if it's clean and I can't sit down on the couch if there's dishes in the sink, if there are like Cassius toys everywhere or something. And I just learned that that's not a healthy way to live your life. It's okay if there are dishes in the sink. You just kind of have to accept it. If you live with someone else, maybe see if they can help you more with like cleaning, whatever it may be. It's nice having a husband now because he can help me with things. I don't feel like I have to do everything. But honestly, he'll see me going around. And I think it's because this is how my mom was too. And she was just always working on something. And my mom stayed home with us growing up. But I always look at my mom like that's how I want to be because she stayed busy all the time. She's one of the healthiest people that I know and I think because she was always just working on something and so I think that's just like some people's personality types. I've learned for me it's okay to sit and watch Netflix. Honestly, that used to make me feel guilty like sitting down and watching a show especially if it was during the day. I felt so guilty about that. But I just learned that that's okay. It's okay to sit down on the couch. And I don't even when I'm sitting down on the couch, I don't have to be planning out something like I'm allowed to just sit and sit there and scroll on my phone if I want to. And so I think there's a balance that you come to. I do feel a lot more comfortable when my home's clean. Like I'm recording this podcast while I have laundry going and it's nice getting things done. But I try to treat like tasks like that more as work during the day rather than stuff I do after work. Because then it just like carries on into the night and I feel like I'm constantly doing something. So you just kind of have to like remind yourself that your worth is not in how many things you have planned how many to do's you have crossed off and how much you've been cleaning your apartment because in the end it really is just a clean apartment it's not much more deep than that So I think those are all the questions I'm going to answer for this one. I am so thankful that you guys submitted these submissions. Honestly, these were really good. I felt like these were all questions that I hadn't really talked about, especially the one about your boyfriend buying you stuff that you didn't like and the post-grad feeling kind of like sad. I may have answered one similar to that actually, but I think it's good to touch on some of the same things too. And just to also remind you guys that I struggle with these things too. I never want people to think that I live my life perfectly and I really like the podcast because I feel like it's a community where I am able to share my mistakes more and kind of share things I've struggled with Whereas on YouTube, I think people are just a little bit less receptive to those things. But I love my podcast. You guys mean a lot to me. I love seeing your stories. If you listen, feel free to tag me in a story. That's the best way where I can see it. I never miss those. I always respond to those. So let me know how you're listening. If you're on a walk, if you are on a workout if you are just hanging out if you're just sitting on the couch because you deserve to just sit on the couch let me know if you're listening feel free to write a review if you enjoy the podcast that also helps it and subscribe if you guys like listening to it and I will catch you guys in my next episode bye friends